we are launching into a study of the book of Ephesians. As uh, Valin has already read for us, we are looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 to, 1 to 14. The, the subtitle is wrong here. should be one chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. And I think it's worth keeping in mind the, the bigger, the larger theme of this year, which is growing together in Christ, as we see here, uh, as I've put here on the top. And this is really the, the theme that we're looking at this year. And what we are uh, aiming to consider together is primarily discipleship, uh, thinking about discipleship, what does that mean? And we are framing discipleship as growing together in Christ. And I think uh, um, we we are starting that series, that reflection with um, uh, Ephesians. And I think Ephesians is a good place to reflect on that, to begin with that. And I just realized that looking back at the rota from last year, uh, around this time, the beginning of the year, we started the year with uh, a look at Colossians, the book of Colossians. Um, and I realized that there are many themes in Colossians that are repeated, or I, I should say that parallel each other between Colossians and Ephesians. Um, so things like, what does it mean to be in Christ? What does it mean? Uh, what does salvation mean for us? And what, what has God done for us? That we are justified in Christ, that we are qualified in Christ. So the tag in Christ is uh, very much prominent in both these books, like both Colossians and Ephesians. In fact, some commentaries say that uh, Colossians and Ephesians, uh, Ephesians is really side B of Colossians, uh, the, the elaboration of the things that Paul talked about in Colossians. But all that to say that we, we, you might find some of the things that we consider in this reflection on Ephesians um, repetitive. I, I wouldn't say repetitive, but you, you might find some of the themes that we consider in Ephesians uh, uh, yeah, similar to what we looked at last year. But I think that's okay because these are uh, things that we must be considering on a regular basis. With all that said, um, let's get in. The book of Ephesians reminds me of um, one story that I, I learned when I was doing my um, B, BSc. I, I did my BSc in zoology and I uh, physics was uh, a, a minor subject. And there's one, sub, one story that uh, I learned uh, f during that course of time. And this is about the Bell, La Bell Laboratories and this was... I think it's in New Jersey in, in the US, and this is around 1960s, 1960, um, the, pro, the experiment was going on in 1960s, and this is a, a lab that these two guys, Arno Penzias and Robert Wilson, they constructed. And so they were, they were trying to, this is kind of an antenna to, to get data from, from, you know, radiation from the sky and all that. And they were doing these experiments, and they kept hearing this, uh, noise in their data, right? And they they kept trying to figure out what's going on. As you can see in the picture here, there's a lot of space, and they they went and cleaned up the space. They 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 thought what they're hearing was uh, disturbances, and so they went and they cleaned. Like they saw a lot of pigeon droppings, and and bats living in that space, and they cleaned it up. And they tried to clean up the sound, but the sound they were still hearing sound that they could not account and they thought it's the, because of the angle they should turn it in the right direction they turned it, um, it the sound was still there and they thought this was faulty but they studied a little bit more and they published uh, their findings and it turned out that 
this was what they called um sorry this was what uh was called as cosmic microwave background radiation cmb radiation essentially what it means is uh that it's the leftover of something big that happened billions of years in the past according to the theory and many many scientists said that this is the echo of the big bang um and this was something that they were catching up accidentally uh, inadvertently and arno penzias and robert wilson uh, they published their findings and they ended up winning nobel prize for physics and all that stuff what's fascinating about this story for me and how this connects to ephesians is almost like uh, in in the book of ephesians paul is pointing out to the christians to the believers that uh and believers on a daily basis they deal with noise they deal with small uh tweaks and small troubles in this world and paul is pointing out to the believers to the uh people of faith that there's something much larger going on just like for uh penzias and wilson they thought the problem was like pigeon droppings and they thought the problem was bad droppings and you know like uh, small things like atmosphere like weather problem it turned out what they were hearing what they were collecting was stuff that of a cosmic level like um and according to the claim the echo of the big bang i mean these are huge cosmic cosmological things huge things of the stars and galaxies that they were picking up on their antenna and they had no idea i think how why this story resonates with uh the book of ephesians for me is paul is doing the same thing like he's saying that when you love one another in the church when you are doing steps of discipleship to know Christ and to follow Christ we are tapping into something massive here we are tapping into something that expands all of our horizons in in other words if i may put it this way we are we are asking the question of what is god doing in creation through history and place something huge and cosmic and what do we do as local community of believers and how does that fit into the work of god something huge something big we we tend to think of these things as just small disturbances and small small problems small issues that we have to confront but paul tells us in the book of ephesians that these are parts of huge thing that god is doing and we by god's grace are uh, are invited to take part and participate in what god is doing in this world so this is the question that i want us to think about and to keep in the background of our mind as we reflect on Ephesians what is god doing in creation through history and place through geography history and geography and how do we as local community of believers in ictus edinburgh or cc uh, as a church how do we as a local community of believers fit into that work of god that he is doing and i want to suggest that uh what paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 to 14 gives us first of all perspective and it also gives us encouragement so perspective and encouragement first of all how does paul give perspective to this how does this view of this huge cosmic view of what god is doing how does that give us perspective uh first of all i think in Ephesians paul expands our horizons to remember that what god is what god is doing in our lives here in ictus edinburgh exp, uh, it the magnitude of the gospel story the magnitude of god's work is much bigger than us and our own 
in our, in our lives here. God's work is expansive, right? Some, some commentators have said that Ephesians can be broken up into two parts. Chapter 1 to 3 is the God's, God's work, the gospel story. And chapter 4 to 6 is our story. So God's story, God's work, and how our story, Ictus Edinburgh or the church in Ephesus, how we fit into the gospel story, the big meta story. So let's reflect on these few verses in um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 to 14. And the first thing you notice is that Paul is praising God for what he has done in, in Christ. And I just want to uh, just do a bit of color coding here. Uh, th there are, if I could put it this way, there are four main actors in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. The Father, Father Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, and us, we and you, okay, human beings or humanity. And if you scan through the color code that I've put here, predominantly, predominantly it's the Father, right? The Father has blessed us in the heavenly realms. The Father has chosen us. Father has predestined us. The Father has given us, freely given us. The Father has lavished His grace on us. The Father has made known to us the mystery of His will. The Father has purposed and His purpose is to bring unity to all things. He has predestined us according to the plan of Him and so on, right? And then we have the uh, Lord Jesus Christ. Everything the Father does is in Christ. So we've got in Christ here. The Father chose, him, chose us in, in Christ. The Father loved us through Christ. The Father has given freely given us in Christ, in the one He loves. The Father has purpose for us in Christ. So on and so forth. Right? You get the point. You get the drift. And then we have the Holy Spirit. In the last verse, we see that the Holy Spirit is the one who is the guarantee, the guarantor of what is coming in Christ. And so we were marked with a seal. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. And then in a small section, our part comes in, we and you. Here we see in the green color here, we, by we, Paul is talking about the Jews. The Jews were the first to put their hope in Christ and us, you, talking about the Gentiles. And then we heard the gospel, the message of truth, the gospel of his salvation, and then we believed. So we see here the, the, the main actors that Paul is bringing out here. And I just want to point out the fact that it's predominantly God the Father, Jesus Christ our Lord and Holy Spirit who are bringing this to pass, who are working. And we are simply participating in what God is already doing. And I think this, of course, brings out the magnitude and the scope of God's work, just like, as I mentioned earlier, just like the perspective of the Bell Laboratories, the finding of the Bell Laboratories. In the same way, this brings out the magnitude and the scope of God's work. How so? I just want to explore just two, two quick things. And I just want to talk a bit about Ephesus. Now, um, Ephesus is the, the, the city that's mentioned in this uh, passage. And I just went on a bit of a research about Ephesus. And it turned out that Ephesus was a very important city when Paul was, was writing this. And Paul indeed spent some time in Ephesus, as we see in Acts chapter 19 and so on. Ephesus was the uh, the epicenter of the worship of many gods 
like the Greek Greco-Roman, the Greek Roman gods. There are many temples, as you can see here in this in this building, there and um, it was a hub of intellectual hub. It was a spiritual hub of uh, an important hub of the Roman Empire. If you if you know it, so, uh, anything about Ephesus, uh, it turns out it's today in present day Turkey, and I just found that very fascinating that Ephesus and in fact so many important cities that uh, are are mentioned in the Bible, such as Antioch or Laodicea. These are, these are cities and places in Turkey. And Turkey is wildly removed from our context, right? To be, to be honest. If you take a, take, get on a time machine and go back to Turkey in the first century and observe Christianity, it's going to be completely different from what we are used to. They'll, they'll be singing completely different songs. They'll be praying in completely different ways. They are so removed, far removed from our context. And yet, the amazing thing is, Christians in, in present-day Turkey, back in the days in Ephesus, worship the same God. We are claiming the same faith, right? Turkey, as you know from history, has been this, uh, the site, the place uh, of the Ottoman Empire. They've got the Mongol Empire, all these huge empires, right? They've had like the sultanates, the Islamic sultanates. And today, apparently... Turkey is 82% Islam and 2% Christians. Uh, Turkey went from 1914, 20 to 25 Christianity in 1914 to 2% Christianity uh, today. Uh, Turkey, of course, uh, you may be aware, is also where there's persecution and there's discrimination uh, 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 based on religion as well. But my point is that Ephesus, the city that we're talking about here, is a place and a context that is so far removed from who we are, where we are right now. And what I'm trying to point out here is the scope of God's work. That God is the same God who moved in, in Ephesus back then, is the same God that we're worshipping here. And so I appreciate that Hoyan uh, chose hymns to begin with. Not that I'm particularly fonder of hymn or anything like that, but what hymns do, what hymns point to us is that when you sing hymns, the languages are a bit um, a bit strange for us, right? Ye, thou, and all of that stuff. It reminds us that our faith is not just us in our contemporary moment right now. Our faith is the same faith that was uh, that people believed back in the days when people talked strangely. Indeed, people talk in different languages, right? Believers and followers of Christ through history. In fact, the scope of God's work is such that right now or right today, Christians in Christchurch in New Zealand, my brother, and they're worshipping the same God in Christchurch in New Zealand. The same, the same people of faith are worshipping the same God in Vancouver, where I, I, I was worshipping two years ago. And even today, be, in a few hours, they'll be worshipping, right? In the same moment, there are people worshipping the same God in the Naga Hills, where I'm originally from. And they're singing hymns, some of them are singing contemporary songs, some of them are using modern languages, some of them are using more traditional language. They're all worshipping and followers of the same Christ. This points out the scope and the, the, the magnitude of God's work through space, time and space. And of course, if we look at Ephesians chapter 1, it even goes beyond that. Sorry, that's the wrong slide. Uh, it even goes beyond that. I, I want you to look at 
uh, if you are able, that is, to look at the, the uh, words marked in red. And here, if you, you, get this, you get the sense that Paul is talking about uh, the beginning of time. If you look at this, this one, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us. And then he goes on to say, With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. I'll be honest, these verses baffle me. Like These are huge words, huge themes that I wouldn't even try to, to pretend to understand or try to elaborate here. But what I can say is these are amazing, awesome words that talks about beginnings and ends uh, spanning across history, not just human history, but spanning across history of creation. And what these verses seem to say is that God is doing something that spans the beginning to the end, when God will bring all things into completion. So I think what, what this leaves us with are two things. Uh, let me go back to this slide are two things. Paul's intention is to give us perspective. Okay, and I, um, I hope this comes across clearly as I'm trying to elaborate. Paul intends to bring us perspective to what God is doing. To recognize our place as an English congregation of CC, small or insignificant as we may think of ourselves that we may be. Recognizing our place in the work of God and to encourage us that we are our play, we have a place in this massive role, massive thing that God is doing. To highlight that it is God who began this, and it is God who are who is going to close this, and in between we get to participate in the process of what God is doing. God is already set into motion, as He said from the beginning of time, from the beginning, and He will work until all things are brought in unity under Christ, as uh, as mentioned here. And this unity, this end, is promised and assured and guaranteed as manifested in um, the resurrection. Jesus Christ rising from the dead proves or is a guarantee, a prototype. To put it in another way, to use the language of pilgrimage, the pilgrimage of discipleship or the pilgrimage of uh, that we are invited to as people of faith is to participate, to, to be with God in bringing all things in unity, to, to uh, do our part in this. As it says, on, on earth as it is in heaven. Our hope and our vision is that all the blessings that we have in Christ, the heavenly blessings that we see in verse 1, will be realized in our earthly life. God has been at work from the beginning of creation in the lives of those who put their faith in Him, whether in Ephesus in first century, whether in the Roman Empire, whether 150 years ago in the Naga Hills in Northeast India, or whether here in Edinburgh, God has been at work. And now we get to participate and join Him in witnessing and bringing to fulfillment the unity of all things, which is, which which God is, uh, has promised to bring about. And I think that is the kind of that is the pilgrimage that we are invited to in, in discipleship.
So like those um, two scientists, we may think that the little things that we do in our families, in our church, such as, like, seems very mundane, right? Like cleaning pigeon droppings or chasing pigeons and bats from, you know, from whatever it is, right? But as Paul reminded his the believers in Ephesians, these small things that we do, the small steps of discipleship, uh, meaning following in the steps of Jesus Christ or to be in Christ, small steps of discipleship like prayer, like loving your neighbors, like working faithfully in your jobs, in your career, all these small things can be our participation in a much bigger pilgrimage of God's work that God is already has already begun and God is working to fulfill in His creation. And you might say, how dare we make such a claim of our little petty lives or petty uh, activities? Someone may challenge us. And the assurance, the, the answer to that is because it's not us who is doing it. It's God who is doing it. As I showed you in the short analysis, it's mainly God, Jesus Christ, the Father, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit who are the main actors in this work. We are joining in, uh, the just participating in it. I think this is why I, I, I like the metaphor of uh, surfing. Um, I have zero knowledge about surfing, but what at least what I know is that you find the wave and you ride it. You don't you don't make your own wave. You don't go wherever you want. You find the wave and you ride it. In the same way, we are able to make such a challenge, uh, such a bold claim, because it is God, the Father, the Holy Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who are doing this, and we we only hurt, we only received, and we only follow Jesus Christ. I know that these are massive things and. Um, um, and I, I have a small kind of a homework, but before that, yeah. What is God doing in creation through history and place? And how do we as local community of believers fit into that work of God? Paul's answer seems to be, first of all, get the right perspective. Get the right perspective of the scope of God, what God is doing. And be encouraged that you can continue doing what you're doing faithfully. And also, I would not do justice to this text if I don't, Put this in and praise God. In fact, if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 to 14, it's essentially a praise song. It's a ver it's a it's a passage of Paul just erupting in praise of God. So, yes, we get perspective, we are encouraged, and we persist in discipleship, being humble, being emboldened, knowing the magnitude of what God is doing, knowing that the Holy Spirit is our guarantor the assurance that what God has begun in you, He will bring to completion. But we also need to praise God. We also need to worship Him. In fact, I would say that that is the single most important thing for today's text and for today's sermon, which is to praise Him for what He is already doing, to praise Him that we get to be a part of this. And you, you might have noticed that I didn't really address this part of the passage. So what I, I'm suggesting or what I'm inviting you to do if you like you personally or as a family is um, sort of a week of doxology doxology means the basically praise right a week of doxology I will send out maybe Monday mornings or Monday evening every every day um, I'm just going to send it out on the ICTUS mailing list if you don't mind and I'm going to send out maybe a few verses uh, every day and 
maybe before sleeping or when you wake up or when you have your uh, family prayer or when you're jogging or I don't know in your commute when you're waiting for your computer to start or something uh, you just reflect on these verses um, and let this be a week of doxology week of praising him reflecting on these verses and praising him okay and I, I, I so by doing that I'm kind of uh, offloading the the burden of exposing these verses expositing these verses to you uh, to to join to to theologize in community if you like uh, to reflect together as a community all that to say is um, we we praise him we praise him for what he has done for us when we get the right perspective when we are encouraged that what we are doing is a part of what god is already doing and we worship worship him together um, so that that is what I, I want to bring uh, for us uh, as part of reflection. What is God doing in creation through history and place? And how do we as local community of believers fit into that work of God? And I want to um, uh, just encourage you to keep this uh, question in your mind as we think through the rest of the chapters of Ephesians. To think about what God is doing, what Paul is saying in Ephesians, and think about ourselves as uh, the English congregation, how what can we do to fit into that work of God? Uh, that is the sermon for today. Let us pray, and then we will continue to um, to uh, join together in singing. I'm I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna pray this prayer of doxology, um, and join me in your heart as we uh, worship and praise Him together. Praise Him from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, you heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.